following is a part of a study from the 2020 VBS held at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. The first part concerns Josiah, a good king in Judah. The second part concerns Luther and the Reformation. Enjoy. First, the first part uh, we'll be looking at 2 Kings, uh, not the entire two chapters, 22 and 23, uh, but, but portions of them, and then also uh, for the second part, um, we'll try to, uh, to talk about Luther a little bit. Um, this is the 31st, right, which is uh, designated uh, pretty much in the church calendar as Reformation Day. Notice the church calendar does not have that, that date of Halloween, right, <laughs> but rather the Reformation Day, um, which we observed last week. All right, so there, there's a lot to talk about with reference to Josiah. Now, this is uh, one of the lessons from uh, VBS, a Mighty Fortress, and somewhat adapted as well. But in preparing for this, I found it somewhat interesting and enlightening uh, to be referenced to 1 Kings 13. Now, a little bit of historical background. You might know the name King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. The second king of Israel was King David. The third was King Solomon. But after Solomon's reign, things kind of went downhill from there with his son Rehoboam. Um, And just a little bit of background about Rehoboam. Of course, he was the son of Solomon, uh, but people complained to him about the work and they were very burdened and the like, and they asked him about it, and he said, well, give me some time to think about it. So he talked with the counselors of, the, of his father, and they said, yeah, be gentle, you know, speak kindly to them. And, and he essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, yeah, I really don't like what you guys are saying, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the younger counselors, my own age, what I ought to do. And uh, he did, and, he, and, and they told him, basically, you have to be harder than your father was on them. And so he was. And he said that, and from Rehoboam, then, the kingdom divided. So initially, historically, Israel was one nation. But after, uh, with uh, Rehoboam coming on the scene, Rehoboam began to reign in the southern part of Israel, which was Judah. So it became its own nation. And then following uh, that, uh, Judah was in the south, Israel was in the north. And remember, the temple was in Jerusalem. That's where the people of Israel were to go to worship. Well, they kind of made a holy place in, uh, in Samaria, and they began to worship there too. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on at this time, but the kingdom was then divided, and Jeroboam, um, I think he was the first king of Israel. And this, that's where I want to go to uh, right now, to 1 Kings chapter 13. So if you could please open to that. 1 Kings chapter 13, if you, in your Bible's in front of you. So we have a, a couple of different translations. We have New King James. Um, there's also NIV. There may be uh, uh, another translation or two that's out there. But 1 Kings chapter 13, 1 through 5 
is where we will begin looking. And I, I found this uh, quite revealing because there's mention of Josiah even before he came to the scene, before he comes on, uh, on the scene. In verse, or in verse 1, First uh, Kings chapter 13, Behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. Okay, so this is all during that time when there's conflict between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, who is um, the seated king at the time. The man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord, that is, the man of God did. O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Not a pretty picture. Okay, and we'll, we'll learn more about that with reference to Josiah's reformation, how bad things actually got in Israel. And in her sister Judah as well. And he gave a sign the same day, Verse 3, this is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. When the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him. In other words, arrest the man of God. And Jeroboam's hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down in lieu of that prophecy made by the man of God and the ashes poured out from the ark according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So even before Josiah begins reigning, before he's even born, this prophecy is made of Josiah, specifically that he would do these very things. All right. So that's kind of an introduction. Uh, some, some more introductions, some background uh, concerning Jos- or Josiah. Uh, his name, uh, depending on where you look, basically means Yahweh supports or Yahweh will support him. Okay, um, that, uh, that ah at the end, uh, Josiah, um, that would indicate the, that's the shorthand for Yahweh, God. Um, also healed by Yahweh. Now, um, if you remember your history of the kings of both Israel and Judah, how many kings were good in Israel after the divided kingdom? Does anyone know? In Israel. In Israel. Zero. Zilch. None. Right? There were a few that were good in Judah. Right? Um, however, um, not many were good at all. Uh, Manasseh, he was very wicked. He, uh, he was a king that uh, uh, I, I think introduced the sacrificing of children into his reign. But he later repented. Um, it's never too late to repent. But Hezekiah was a good king. He was the one who uh, built the aqueduct or had the aqueduct built um, so water can get to Jerusalem from the well. Um, Hezekiah was also the one who was told by, I believe it was Isaiah the prophet, that he would die. And he, he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord extended his life uh, for a, a number of years. 
Uh, Manasseh, as mentioned, he was the son of Hezekiah. Wicked, but he later repented. And then Ammon was the son of Manasseh, and he was a wicked king, and he only reigned, I think it was probably less than two years. Um, And then there was Josiah, uh, who was a good king. But what's interesting, he started reigning at eight years old. His father uh, was killed, um, and then the people placed Josiah on the throne rather than his father. And these, these... these time or these dates are somewhat estimates. Um, this is from one source of 637 to 608, and this is from another f- source. So roughly around that time period. So we're talking about, um, you know, you know, 600 in the in the 600 BC area, 600 to 700, and he ruled in Judah, not Israel. So Judah was kind of the smaller of the two nations. Uh, It was only Judah and I believe Benjamin that were uh, behind the king of Judah. And uh, just uh, another historical event, in 722, Israel was exiled by the Assyrians. So that kind of gives you a broad um, overview of what's going on. Now, um, later on in 597, which is only a couple decades after Josiah's reign, there's an exile of those in Judah to Babylon. Not everybody, um, but inclusive of, uh, of that exile, um, very likely is Ezekiel and Daniel as well. And it was later in 586, 587 around there, that uh, Jer- the Jerusalem temple was basically burnt down. It was destroyed. And I believe also in the exile in 597, um, some of the gold and the bronze and, and, and those kind of items from the temple were taken as well by the Babylonians. So all of this is kind of in the future, but it's coming. And uh, in in the history of Israel. All right, so basically we have two parts of of Josiah. One part, of course, would be the reading of the law, and then also his repentance. We also have, of course, the reforms that took place under Josiah. And... um, the, the book of the law was found and read in 2 Kings 22, so please turn to that. 2 Kings 22, verses 8 through 10. And there's also a parallel account, too. I don't have it printed here, but in, uh, in Chronicles as well, um, which the, the accounts are somewhat different, though they're uh, often uh, similar, too. But in, in uh, so so again, with with background here, Josiah at eight years old is uh, is reigning, and about ten years later, oh, and by the way, one of the things if if you know just doing the simple math um, for for Josiah, um, his father Amon Amon had him I think at probably around sixteen or seventeen. Um, you know, and, and you can figure this out by looking at like how old they were when they reigned and how old their kids were when they reigned, kind of thing. Um, and, and some of these kings had children at a very young age, what we would probably consider too young, right? Um, but, uh, you know, they had counselors and, uh, and others as well. But Josiah, at, at the age of 18, or in his 18th year, I should say, um, so he would have been what, 26, right? Yeah. So he would have been about 26. 
I guess, when uh, they went to the house of the Lord because he's repairing it or having it repaired. And as they're in the temple, um, Shaphan and, uh, and Hilkiah, the high priest specifically, uh, finds something. In verse 8, Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, uh, you might also have the word scribe there, he would have known the law, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. All right, that's the reading of the law, uh, the book of the law. Now, you might have a question, well, what, which book is that? Which book of the law? Um, and I guess it kind of depends on who you read in terms of the, quote, biblical scholars that are out there. Um, you know, some are suggestive of uh, Deuteronomy. Because Deuteronomy... Um, then the, the word Deuteronomy basically means second law. And it's not really a second law, it's a, it's a restating of the law. So again, historically, the law of God originally was given to, or by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. That's Exodus 20. And a lot had transpired from the giving of the first law, and then the copies, right, the, the, the two other tablets that God uh, gave to Moses uh, because of the people's idolatry. Remember the golden calf incident and the like. Well, it was it was uh, probably a, a good forty years after that um, that uh, the people of Israel were about to enter into the promised land. They almost went in the first time, but they disbelieved God's promise that He could take care of them and that He was fighting for them um, and. Therefore, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And God continued to provide for them, remember, the manna from heaven. And as soon as they entered the promised land, the manna stopped. It was no coincidence. The manna stopped because they started eating from the fruits of the promised land, the land of Canaan, where they lived, or where they were to live. Okay, so, so here they are, 40 years after the giving of the Ten Commandments, 40 years plus, and Moses restates the commandments. In Deuteronomy 5, for example, um, we have, you know, you shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall honor father and mother, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth, and so on and so forth. So commandments 1 through 10. But also the commandments concerning uh, worship, he reminded them of that as well. And to have him alone as their God. Their God who delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Their God who continued to provide for them and support them and sustain them in all their needs. When they were, uh, when they were thirsty, he gave them drink. When they were hungry, he gave them food. Uh, their clothes did not wear out for those 40 years. And the Lord provided them, testing them uh, to know that, uh, that God is their God. All right, so... Um, so some would say Deuteronomy, if we look at the New Testament, which we're not going to but right now, but, uh, but I'll allude to it, 
there is a, a place in Luke 24 where Jesus says, you know, all that was written in the, in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me have been thus fulfilled. And that word law there used by Jesus means the entire Torah. Okay, Torah or Pentateuch, those are fancy words basically referring to the first five books of the Old Testament. They were collected that way. So that term uh, law, prophets, and then Psalms is kind of shorthand, and that's how the, uh, the, uh, the Israelites and how later Jews also um, parted or, or um, discerned the different parts of the Old Testament scriptures. So we had the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, which are inclusive of the writings. Okay, so the wisdom literature and the like. So be that as it may, they read this uh, before the king, and then we hear the response of the king uh, immediately after that. Okay, so um, I think I have it there, yeah. Uh, We won't read all the verses, 11 to 30, but I I, I do want to highlight some of them. So in verse 10, Shaphan read the book of the law before the king. And again, this book of the law had the do's and the don'ts, as many people think, uh, cursings and blessings. And all throughout, uh, the, uh, all throughout the law, God is warning his people not to worship and not to serve other gods. In other words, not to commit idolatry. Uh, not to marry uh, women outside of their nation. Um, we might think of Solomon here, um, who got into a lot of trouble uh, because his his pleasure of women, uh, he was married to what was it over seven hundred wives and concubines. So concubines he wasn't married to, but but he had them, and they they swayed his heart from following the Lord. Yeah, there, there was a lot going on um, there, but uh, but but from his marriage unions. Uh, he began to worship other gods, to sacrifice to them. And his wives had uh, a, a lot of sway over him with reference to that. But, but you can also think, too, um, that uh, this you know, uh, also was influenced by the fact that you know, if you married someone from another nation, and we see this from you know, popular movies, perhaps, you know, of, of history, um, but there were alliances formed with other nations and the like, uh, but the drawback was, of course, he um, was led into idolatry and then also were his people. So often in the history of Israel, we see as the king went, so also the people. All right. But Shaphan read the book of the law before the king. In verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Achbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me. Find out if what these words say is actually true and will take place because we have forsaken the Lord. Great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. All right. So what they do is they, there, there's a... There's a group of men then that go to Huldah, the prophetess. And they lay before her their concern and ask her about the words that they just read. 
And she said to them, this is verse 15, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. There's only one God, the God of Israel. Tell the man who sent you to me, tell King Josiah, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants, all the words of this of the book that the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But the king of Judah, who sent to you, sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against the place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place. So disaster was coming, but Josiah would not see it. And, um, you know, some might look at this and say, well, God forgave and gave peace to Josiah because he repented. That is, on the basis of his repentance. But it was on the basis of God's mercy that God did that, not because Josiah repented. God does call repentance, but he does not forgive us because we repent. He forgives us of his mercy. Okay, such is God. Um, you know, another way of saying that, too, if, if you recall from Luther's small catechism with reference to uh, the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, Luther writes, God gives daily bread even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that we may learn to know it, that it's from him. You know, um, have you ever heard the phrase, God knows what we need before we ask him? Have you ever thought, why then do we have to ask if God knows? Right? Logically, you know, we, we might be a, a kind of a, a, at a crossroads in a, in a sense, but not really. Because God would have us pray for the very things that he would ask us pray for. Um, the, the prayer to God is not necessarily for God. Think about this. It's for us. It's an expression of the faith that we have in the Lord who promises to provide. All right, so, um, you know, thinking of, of, of King Josiah, you know, he, uh, um, you know he, he did repent. He was struck in the heart. Um, we, we heard of this account uh, later on in the, on the day of Pentecost. Remember when Peter is preaching that wonderful Pentecostal sermon, and then he's talking about the death of Christ and saying to the Jews, you yourselves crucified him who God made Lord and Christ. And they reacted by saying, uh, what shall we do? They were cut to the heart. And unlike um, in the account of Stephen, remember the one who was stoned to death, unlike them, who uh, those uh, executioners who gnashed their teeth, um, those who heard Peter uh, repented. What shall we do? They were the ones asking the question, and to that question then Peter responds, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the promises to you and your children and uh, you will receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Josiah repented. He also called uh, the people together, um, which we'll see uh, in, in, uh, on the next slide. Um, 
But uh, there's some passages here, and I encourage you, we, we don't have time to look at all of these today, um, but I encourage you to take this home and, uh, and, and look at those passages. Psalm 103, of course, is that uh, wonderful psalm that has numerous verses about God's forgiveness. One of those is, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you, says the Lord. Um, and let's, uh, let's, let's at least look at that one. I think we should know First John 1, right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right, so Psalm 103. Um, let's see. Yeah, verse 3, or actually starting at verse 2, we'll just read selective uh, verses here. Verse 2 of chapter uh, of Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. A little bit later on, uh, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Uh, that's a, a, a synonym for the word believe. He knows our frame, verse 14, he remembers that we are dust. The steadfast love in verse 17 is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Um, and and the, the compassion of our Lord, we know not because of how circumstances are, especially today and waiting for November 3rd, for example, if, if, if anyone is anxious about that. Um, the, uh, the consequences, the results of the election are not indicative of, of God's grace and favor upon you individually? Jesus is. That's the good news. You know you have God's favor not because of how things are going on in the world, but because of Christ and Christ alone. And what a blessing that truly is, because uh, don't look to yourself to know if you have forgiveness. Look to Christ, and there you are sure to have it, because it's only in Him. Uh, Mark 2, I'll just kind of allude to that. Uh, that's, Mark 2 is the account of uh, the man who was lowered by his friends through the roof. Remember, he, he was unable to walk. And uh, Jesus, seeing their faith, the faith of the men, says to the man on the bed, your sins are forgiven you. He doesn't do anything for it, by the way. Jesus forgives his sins. And there's a couple religious leaders there that start talking amongst themselves, or at least... Um, you know, are thinking in their in their heads that well, who the, who does this guy think he is? No one can forgive sins but God. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, then says, "Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or take up your bed and walk?" But to show that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, he commands the person to walk, and he does. Which, by the way, demonstrates and illustrates. Uh, it, it, it gives the sign, the sure sign, that Jesus Christ, by means of His Word, does and can forgive sins. He has such authority from His Father in Heaven. 
And so, you know, when, when the pastor announces the absolution, your sins are forgiven you, that's as sure here as it is in heaven that your sins are truly forgiven, regardless of whether you feel it or not. It's all according to the word. All right, so then what about the fruits of repentance? You know, we have a changed heart. Josiah has the changed heart. Um, you know, from hearing the word, he's cut to the quick. The prophetess Hulda says, you know, and they report to King Josiah that you will have peace in your day. You will not die. Um, you know, on account of these uh, travesties, you will go to your home in peace. You will be buried with your fathers. So what does King Josiah do? What does the Christian do? What does the sinner do who has been forgiven? What can they do except then because they have a new heart? Seek to do what God Himself says. And Josiah does these very things. So in chapter 23, you know, moving to that, chapter 23, the king sent, uh, then the king sent and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him, all the people. The, the king went to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of covenant that they hear too. And so they heard. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul. Um, this kind of indicates that, yeah, the, the words of the writer to the kings and then also later in Chronicles that says that Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord were true. Okay, so he got, called the people together and they read the Bible. They read the book of the law in the hearing of the people. Okay, um, so, so I, I have a list here. I've, I've kind of compiled, um, but this is to show some of the reforms, or actually the reforms that Josiah enacted in his day. So um, after the reading of the law, um, he makes a covenant and... This is how bad it was. Idolatrous items were brought out of the temple and burned. Okay, idolatrous idols. Remember, um, God had when he when he first gave the instructions to the people of Israel, um, he said that this temple is holy to me. Worship only me. Uh, sacrifice only to me. But they brought idolatrous items. They brought idols into the temple. Um, this is, this is very striking, too. Uh, there was a wooden image that was in the temple that they worshipped. Uh, Ashtoreth, Baal, Baal. Um, and they also had, and, and this, this is very striking, houses of male called prostitutes were in the house of God. Um, this is how bad it was. Um, so you could you know, see just... You know, just from what was going on here, and then Josiah reading the book of the law, we're actually doing these very things. That's not to say that Josiah was, uh, you know, was supporting that, but it was still going on, so they, that was demolished. Okay, um, there were high places that were defiled, so the people were worshiping not only in the temple, but at their home altars or other altars built, you know, around the area, um, and that was in Judah. Also, there were reforms in Samaria, too, in Israel. Samaria, I think, was the capital of Israel at the time. 
Um, shrines of the high places were taken away. False priests were actually executed. And then uh, mediums and spiritists, the, the very uh, people that, that God said uh, should not be part of Israel were part of Israel, and uh, they were put away. And the Passover had not been kept for quite some time. So, um, you know, after, after the divided kingdom, uh, there were quite a few problems, but Israel kept leaning, how should I say, further and further left. Theologically, they were moving further away from the Lord, and Judah was following and uh, now we'll get to Luther and the Reformation in uh, in a little bit. Uh, yeah. You guys are supposed to take a break at 10:45. Yeah, I know. I, I still got two I, minutes. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> but they could just get up and go get something, and then come back, and you can keep talking because he's still talking down there. Well, he is the storyteller. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So, is the idea to have a break, like, together? No. No, okay. No. All right. Okay, we're good, okay. So, you know, just uh, kind of in, in, in summary, we see with Josiah that, that he was truly repentant, and he sought to reform um, Judah by bringing back, you know, what they were supposed to be doing all along. Um and, and, and notice, too, when, when we speak of repentance in the church, we're, we're not talking about doing these novel things that nobody has done before. What we're talking about is repenting, turning from our sin to what the Lord Jesus himself had said, what God has given. Okay, And, and, and where do we learn of that? Well, simply, the Ten Commandments. Right. So if there was idolatrous worship there, get rid of it and begin to do what is right. What God Himself had said, according to His 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 good and gracious word, and that's exactly what Josiah did.